2: Boogie well, hates racism and Chris
1: Paul, and who cannot get on board with that platform?
2: If I've learned a lot, this, I, I'm not going to say it, that sounds too Roll. No, let's get ro- uh, if ro- no, I'm no, 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 no. no, no.
1: <laughs> if the Bucks do win it all, Pat Connaughton's numbers should be in the rafters. Hey there, welcome to the Eurostep, and Milwaukee Bucks podcast, probably a part of the Blue Wire Podcast Network and GSPN. I am Ty Windish, one of your hosts here, as always, well, not always, but... You know, my preference. I love all the GSPNers. But Rohan Cadi, my guy, as we close out twenty twenty three. Rohan, of course, one more question to ask you this year. How's it going? Probably we'll have more than that throughout the pod, actually.
2: Not not bad. Doing well. Hope everyone's enjoying their holiday season. I know I know I am. I hope you are as well, Ty. It's uh it's been a it's been a nice week uh in terms of just you know being able to spend time with friends family stuff like that see people you don't usually see who are in town for the holidays it's a it's it's a good time here let me let me i we weren't i didn't prepare you for this time oh okay what is your favorite gspn moment of 2023
1: um definitely the uh the meetup uh when we uh i would say the watch party part of it when we got to interact with so many great listeners was was my number one gspn moment of 2023 rohan how about you i was
2: really hoping to catch you off guard and you forgot about that no way (laughs) because that's mine yeah that's it's hard to beat that one yeah okay well i thought i could get you but i didn't well it's a good try thank you thank you but yeah um 2023 coming to a close big year uh hope for the best going forward in 2024 uh it sounds like i'm doing the outro thank you for listening to this (laughs) um but yeah a lot to cover on this podcast i feel like it's been a while since you and i've done a pod together
1: it it has been and then we just had a lot of things happen in the last couple days amidst all the holiday uh busyness and and maybe chaos so let's just knock out items one by one i mean uh, unfortunately a, a very sad note to begin with here and I think we as a network will have more coverage on this going forward but former Bucks owner Herb Cole did pass away uh, I believe on Wednesday uh, December 27th so for anyone who's maybe a newer fan or doesn't follow the Bucs as closely outside of just being you know an owner who if you look at just the wins and losses of his tenure you may think uh, it's not you know what did not have a huge impact on the bucks herb Cole really did love the bucks in Milwaukee and I think his legacy will always be defined as ensuring they remained and handed off to an ownership group that would do all they could for the bucks going forward in the honest tedacumpo era which of course they did they won a championship in 2021 in Milwaukee herb Cole got a ring which I know meant a lot to him uh, that he was able to get that but he also uh, as part of the sale gave just basically gave a hundred million of, of his own money uh toward the arena construction to make sure Pfizer Forum was built. I think it's pretty much confirmed he turned down higher offers from parties who wanted to move the Bucks to Seattle or other places. So uh yeah, I think just great to take a moment, and I'm glad pretty much everyone seems to be around who does Buck stuff, take a moment just to recognize what he did for the team and that none of this that we've been doing over the last what however many six seven plus years now would be possible if he were like many owners and just you know took the biggest check and didn't really care what happened after that
2: yeah for sure echo your sentiments it's uh, a pillar for the bucks as a franchise just the just the type of person where you you want to celebrate what he did for this team and the city of milwaukee in terms of being able to keep this team here and again if you look at the straight wins and losses it doesn't really paint the whole picture of what Herb uh, Senator Herb Cole has done for the Milwaukee Bucks, uh, I think uh, the Milwaukee Bucks in their statement put out a very, very uh, uh, they put out a nice statement. And my my favorite line in there was that Pfizer Forum sits on Herb Cole Way for a reason, and it's just it it will remain that way forever. And I'm glad he got to see the Bucks win its title. They honored him with the championship ring, uh, I believe before. Fiserv was built. He did turn down a statue outside Fiserv, but who knows and, if that and, changed?
1: In Eric Name's piece in The Athletic, he uh, one of the owners, I forget which one, actually like they asked him when he said he was going to give $100 million, like, do you want us to name it the Kohl Center? And he said, no, no, I just want the Bucks to stay here. And he would go to games all the time. And apparently his one request was, hey, have them win tonight when he was there, uh, always wearing his same old Bucks hat. There's also this is uh, Eric, name of the athletic put a put a piece together this morning. Uh, this is from Giannis Tedekumpo on Herb Cole. I'm praying for his family. It's a guy that took care of me when I came in and made me feel comfortable. But most importantly, he made my family feel comfortable. He helped a lot with the process of bringing my family over. He's done so many things for the city of Milwaukee, so many things for the Milwaukee Bucks organization. He's definitely going to be missed. So just see. another another great thing that Herb Cole did is help make sure Giannis's family got over uh, to Milwaukee and to the U.S.
2: Yes. So
1: uh, thoughts are with his family in this time. 100%. Uh, and, yeah, as you mentioned, also a, a senator. So really someone who was just incredibly involved in his uh, in the state here of Wisconsin. Uh, another bit of news. Uh, the Bucks have filled their assistant coaching vibe. It's not a name that I had heard of before, frankly, but – Trevor Gleason, from, you weren't you weren't grinding uh, NBL tapes. Even if I had like a passing interest in the NBL, I would have known who this was because he has won five championships in the last ten years over in the NBL, which is the uh, league one or main league in, in Australia over there. Uh, he also then went from doing that to being an assistant coach on the Raptors the last couple of years, which is the Adrian Griffin connection. This is clearly someone Griffin feels more comfortable with, which. Sounds like a good idea. After the way the the last, uh, the last the assistant who left, uh, we'll just say how that went. Uh, I don't think any title has been maintained. I would expect that Joe Prunty will continue being the, I guess, de facto lead assistant. I, I, yeah, know, Patrick,
2: like a, I don't think he's the technically the associate head coach. I think he's just a lead assistant. I believe. I guess that's, Joe Prunty is. Yes, correct. Yeah, I don't think there's there's
1: any main title, but I don't. I also don't think Gleason is going to come in with a higher title than anyone else on the staff. That's not what it seemed like. Let me see if we have clarity on this from from Woj. Um, But, yeah, I mean, I think it's just good to have more coaches on the staff. I think Adrian Griffin mentioned when he shared the news with reporters before the uh, Bucs-Nets game on Wednesday that they just – we're down a man and didn't have many coaches compared to a lot of staffs around the league, so I wanted to add more. Someone who's won that many championships, has experience coaching at a high level, certainly is going to be probably beneficial to the Bucks on both sides of the ball. So seems like, yeah, good, a good thing to add.
2: Yeah, uh, both sides of the ball indeed. Apparently in his time at Toronto, he was primarily focused on the offensive side of the ball, and then he had to move to the defensive side of the ball uh, under Nick Nurse. Um, take that as you will. He can do both. That's how I
1: chaired. Get you, get to you
2: take a man it. who can do
1: both. Exactly. Um, Woj just said just straight up as an assistant coach. Yeah. Um, so Griffin's quote was: "We were a little bit shorthanded. One of the staffs with the least amount of coaches. So we thought it would be beneficial to bring someone on. I worked with Trevor in Toronto. Just had a lot of respect for him. So they're bringing him on slowly. It sounds like he is kind of just getting." the lay of the land and everything at first, but then he will be picking up scouts and everything that the other assistants do. So, yeah, just another assistant coach. Nice to see that the, they kind of just didn't forget about that, given you know the Bucks did have a strong coaching staff with Terry Stotts, obviously lost him. I would say Gleason is not as well regarded as him. But, again, it is a guy who won five international championships and has NBA assistant experience.
2: <laughs> Can Terry Stotts say that? He doesn't have either of those things. I'd have
1: to look it up to be one hundred percent sure. He maybe does. I don't. I'm not that familiar with his resume, but probably not. He spends a lot of time in the NBA, so yeah, probably not.
2: But yeah, it's 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 good to see them adding to the coaching staff. Um, it's interesting. I, I know there have been rumors uh, floating around for like a, a month now about the Bucks potentially uh, adding an assistant coach. I believe there's a there's a European head Sergio
1: coach? Scariolo.
2: Yeah, that didn't really materialize. I guess. Guess not.
1: Honestly, yep. I think he is more of an offensive-minded coach at this point. Someone who can do both and and has experience, like on the defensive end, is probably preferred. Uh, maybe Scagliola is great at that too. I'm I was not, like, yeah, it's,
2: it's it, exactly. It's like it, these coaches aren't just—they don't just know offense. They don't just know defense. They know everything. They, but they're certainly specialists,
1: yes. one way or the other. You wouldn't you wouldn't bring in Mike D'Antoni if you're like, you know, what we just really need a guy to fix our defense. I, maybe funny. you would because he, he would just be like, just don't worry about it. That's the answer. Who cares? <laughs> is this actually broken? Yeah. it but. Does it matter? No, I don't think it does. You score more. That's all that matters, which is, has been the Bucks' approach this week. So Milwaukee just wrapped up on Wednesday night, a three-game trip to New York. They're still on their road trip. They play the Cavs next. And I believe seven of they're in the midst of a seven-of-eight-game run on the road. So they'll come home for one and then be back out on the road afterward. But two-and-one on the trip so far, Rohan and I joked – before we started recording, it would have just been great if they could have just swapped the order of their Knicks games because I honestly think that the week would have been a lot more positive if the nice Knicks win was on Christmas Day when we all maybe uh, maybe internalized an ugly loss a little bit too much for the rest of the holiday. Maybe I'm just speaking from personal experience here, but they did beat the Knicks. They did beat the Nets in a very weird game that we'll talk about, and then they lost a stinker to the Knicks where. And this has been their issue, I think, against the Nets, too. They just couldn't stop New York from getting to the paint. I mean, neither their, their three-point defense has been largely pretty good. Those teams shot very poorly from three, and the Bucks didn't give up a lot of threes. But their perimeter defenders are getting beat. Their interior defense is not collapsing quickly enough. And teams are just getting to the rim over and over and finishing uh, around it at way too high of a rate. So that has been Milwaukee's issue this week, Milwaukee's strength this week has been Chris Middleton who seems back in a big way over the last 3 games this New York trip. Chris averaging 23.7 points, a flat 7 assists, 3.3 rebounds and just 2.7 turnovers. Net rating of plus 10, or now plus minus of plus 10 in that time. So even though and How
2: many minutes per game?
1: 32.4, which is third on go. the team. That's also, the big number. He also led Milwaukee in minutes against Brooklyn. They basically, in the fourth quarter, Dame had a, a pretty bad game against the Nets. And Griffin was kind of just like, yeah, Campaign and Chris are playing real well. Just close them out. And they did, which was uh, different, but it worked out. Uh, Chris looks awesome. Also, he shot in, that, in those three games 55% from the field, 45% from three, and did not miss a free throw. Although he only got to the line, I think, twice in three games. He just looks awesome again. Uh, he looks back. I think defensively he looks a bit better than he had earlier too. I mean they put him on Jalen Brunson on purpose toward the end of the Christmas game and it honestly didn't it didn't look any worse than the other guys. They had guard Jalen Brunson, frankly, uh, which is maybe less good for Chris and more bad for everyone else. But uh, just the fact that they'd even do that shows you that the Bucks feel better about him defensively too. Uh, we'll get to the defense, but let's start with the positive. What have you,
2: been your thoughts watching Chris Middleton, Rohan? He's he looks back. He honestly looks back. It, it it's it's reminding me of uh, he's he's old enough where I can say vintage Chris, right? I think so. I yeah, guess. he looks. I you know. Know, like like vintage Chris Middleton. It's it's not like he's forty years old or anything. Doing he's this, thirty-two. It, I guess you can say that. But coming a- after multiple seasons in a row where he's just dealt with injury after injury, trying. To, in that constant ramp up process, multiple surgeries. I think it's fair to say, vintage Chris Middleton. He's not. He's not prime Chris Middleton. Where I, I don't know if you remember. I said he was better than prime Paul George in like December, like three years ago. Oh, I remember. Uh, <laughs> if the listeners remember, that was a fun time. Uh, I don't. He's not that level, but he's right now. He's what the Bucks need him to be. And I think that's what matters at this point is he's not the best version of himself, but he's the best version of himself for this team. He is acting as a tertiary option. He is acting as a secondary or tertiary playmaker. He can create his own shots when the offense sort of bogs down. He can be a playmaker. He can. He's been dishing the ball, man. Like you mentioned, a flat seven assists in these past three games on this road trip. Just throwing incredible passes, you realize how smart a basketball player he is and why he's been such an important pillar of the Milwaukee Bucks franchise during this run that they've been on. It's it's great to see Chris looking like this again. I think he's always had this sort of in him, but his body has been letting him down. And now he's sort of utilizing his skills to the best of his ability to which his body lets him. I know you and I have talked, I believe, on the last podcast about how it's just... Some things he does are really dumb, like how he's dribbling the ball up half court, backing guys down three quarters court, like just give the ball to like Malik Beasley or Dame or someone and let them bring the ball up. It's just he he's starting to come to these realizations that he can't do everything that he used to. And he's sort of playing within himself now, which is what I think we've seen in these last three games is he's not trying to press. He's not trying to be. Uh, that that French press coffee that you love so much. Hey. He he's uh, he's being like more realistic about his own bodily abilities and what he's able to do out there on a basketball court, which I think is why we've seen in these past three games on this road trip, him playing the best basketball we've seen in like a year. Yeah, it's it's. it's that like that's the type of production we're seeing because he's not making stupid mistakes anymore. Twenty-seven
1: I points, think. ten assists against Brooklyn—certainly the best game. At least I would have to look at the the Miami series where he had some good games, but one of the best Chris games we've seen, and certainly you know multiple years at this point due to the injuries. I mean, the ramp up worked is where I'm at. I mean, he looks way better than he looked at any point last regular season. I think. Shout
2: out Suki Hobson. Shout
1: out Suki Hobson, the whole Bucks and medical and training staff, and Chris for. You know, not just being like, you know what, I'm Chris Middleton, I'm going to play 30 minutes tonight. I mean, it was an angsty first, what, two months of the year now. But if this is the result and it's able to help him stay healthier and be at this level again, I mean, obviously you do that 100 times out of 100. And I'm glad that Chris and the Bucks stuck to it. I also think he looks a little better physically, too. So he's able to do a little bit more. I mean, he shook someone from the perimeter, which we're not used to seeing. Uh, I agree. He doesn't have to bring the ball up as much. The he and campaign combo was pretty hilarious because it was just like, campaign, bring up the ball. All right, give Chris the ball. Okay, go space the floor. And it worked. Like, that's if that's campaign's role, that's honestly fine. Like, he's good at getting the ball up the floor. He's shifty. He's got a good handle. And when he's on, he's on. Cam was a flamethrower, actually led the team in plus minus against uh, against the Nets. The other big thing for Chris, I mean, I think – Obviously, your brain defaults to like, oh man, if Chris is going to play like this, the when they start and close games with him, Dame and Giannis, they're going to be just ungodly good, and I think they are. The other thing though is they've been leaning on him more to give those guys rest together, Dame and Giannis, and it's been working. I mean, the last
2: that's what games. that's what we wanted to see, right? Yeah. Like going yeah. back a month ago, we're like, okay, and these when when we saw these box teams sort of start to falter. We saw, you know, why? Why are Dame and Giannis sitting together? Why do we need that to happen? And then we would say, yeah, it would be those are the Chris minutes. So yeah, we're seeing that. Those are the Chris minutes. Sorry, continue. No, it's just it's been
1: working, and it's been really. I mean, that that's your that's your like bad minutes now going forward. It's like oh, five minutes where it's Chris leading the offense, which used to be like pretty much the best minutes. I mean, Giannis would be out there, but Chris leading the offense was the best case scenario. Well, I've got a special
2: guest. Oh. Oh, we have a Sophie cameo. She's make gr- sure you check She's out the YouTube. She's a little grumpy. She's a little. Make grumpy. sure you check out the YouTube so you can see the Sophie cameo. We'll oh see if goodness. we can make it through the rest of
1: the pod. She's a little restless, but um, but yeah, I think that those are great. You know, bad minutes to have, and you get campaign to help with the ball handling. Bobby Portis, who has been a spark plug off the bench in pretty much every game since that Indiana IST loss, except of course for Christmas where he did not have a good game, but it, it's been it's been really positive. I think to see, okay. The bench just needs to be good around Chris. The bench doesn't need to carry. They just need to be in the gaps. And when they do that, then you look at a team where for 48 minutes when they're mostly healthy, you're just contending with a ton offensively. And Chris has done a great job making life easy for those units. I think they've relied on Bobby a little less. He's been able to pick better spots, and he's looked really good because of it.
2: Yeah, we've seen this in the past, too, where even during the bud years, it would be third option plus bench units worked really well, whether it's Eric Bledsoe, whether it's Drew Holiday, and now Chris Middleton. Yeah. And it's just, you can see through those players I've named, they've progressively gotten better. <laughs> A little bit, yeah. <laughs> in terms of being an offensive weapon, going from Eric Bledsoe to Drew Holiday and then Drew Holiday to Chris Middleton, it's, uh, you're really upgrading the offensive outlet as your third option. Uh it's just, yeah, we, we've seen these type of units thrive where it's like, yeah, you want to have your two best players on the court at the same time to re- leverage their skills together a lot of times. Sure, you can have one of them out in the court uh, while the other rests and uh, vice versa, but then also play them together a lot because, again, they're your two best players. You want them to, uh, to be able to leverage their skills together on the basketball court, especially when you have a pairing like Dame and Giannis, who have reverse gravities, yeah. which just plays so well. But you're able to get these bench unit lineups where you just have Giannis and Dame on the bench, but you have Chris while you have campaign, maybe. And uh, you have Bobby out there. Maybe you, you have Marjan or Ajax out there as well. And you just like, yeah, Chris. This is your time to shine. Go. You're going to, You're going against bench units. We still trust you. You're still a three time All Star. We we trust you to go out there and cook bench units. And that's what he's been doing. He's been absolutely cooking bench units, uh, especially in that uh, Nets game, which he was cooking uh, summer league. Uh, yeah. Liners.
1: Really weird. I don't. So they. What happened there? So they had a lot of guys out, and they wanted to. I think give. Um, Mikhail Bridges a de facto game off without ruining his like streak of games played in.
2: He's but, never missed a game in his career.
1: Yeah, but why? I don't know why they took Cam Thomas out. So he is 23 years old. He has never gotten like a like a long run at a season before this one. He's an instant bucket, and he only played like 23 or 22 minutes. They it was they were on a back to back too, and they had a lot of guys that I think they just kind of tried to punt this game, but I don't understand why you take out Cam Thomas too. It's a back-to-back where
2: they they played against the Pistons. So is it really a back-to-back?
1: But again, like, okay, I think the McHale thing makes a lot of sense. Keep him fresh. Assume you're going to lose this game with some guys actually out and some guys out for rest. And Royce O'Neal, whatever, keep him healthy probably for the trade deadline, frankly. Why Cam Thomas? And DFS was actually out. Royce O'Neal played in the game.
2: Oh, yeah. True, true, true.
1: Um, It was very weird. Like, yeah, in that game...
2: Um, I think Mikhail Bridges played the entire first quarter, and, and then, then we, we just didn't done. see him again.
1: Cam Thomas played 11:55. Royce O'Neal played 10 minutes. So they, those guys played to start, and then they were just done.
2: It just it baffling, baffling really weird.
1: decision. I mean, uh, Jacques Vaughn was like working OT trying to coach a bunch of like literal G leaguers. I mean, we had a guy named Jason Wilson get his career high, or Jalen Wilson. Get his career
2: high, twenty one. Might points. as well have been Jason Wilson. I'm kidding. By yeah, the way, it's Jalen Wilson.
1: Uh, um, seven offensive rebounds, two assists. He got. He had a pretty good game, but he can't shoot, so it's going to be tough for him.
2: Anyway, but Armani Brooks, I forgot about him. Right, he's the guy that uh, Jordan War crossed over. Remember on the Rockets? Oh yeah, he is. He did not have a very good game.
1: Yeah, one for uh, five
2: from two point range for Armani Brooks. Just tough. Just tough. But yeah, what a weird game from the Brooklyn Nets. But uh, who were we even talking about? Oh yeah, Chris. Chris. Chris is looking. This is this is why I wasn't really concerned about the ramp up process. I know there was a lot of I'll say discourse. I won't say where, because I know we're trying to avoid it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But there there has been discourse about whether Chris is gonna be able to be the guy that's needed for this Milwaukee Bucks team going for this season. Uh, as they, you know, try to march on and try to win a title this year, uh, I think it's safe to say that everything about this Bucks team has been a little premature. Every, uh, there's been a lot of discourse about uh, uh, everything's just been a little premature in everyone's taking. I get, I get that everyone's antsy. I get that everyone uh, is, uh, you know, wanting to make. These sweeping declarations because, you know, there's been a lot of changes, new coaching staff, new, new one of a new star player on your team, new expectations. Um, Just maybe just like settle down a little. <laughs> just watch the games. We're, we're not. We're about to hit the new year on. Sunday. Yeah. Well, technically Monday, Sunday, night. Monday. Yeah. That is, yeah, okay. I'm just making sure I'm mm-hmm. right. I never know what you day I think it. it is. You got Thank it. you. Um, We're just about to hit the new year. It's okay. R-E-L-A-X. Oh, boy. Oh boy. Relax. Because Chris looks good. Chris looks good. Chris yeah. looks really good. If there is, if he starts to dip down, like starts to have like a downward slope after this game, like if this is the highs we're going to get for the season, which is one that's a pretty good high. Um, and two it's it, maybe you can start to be concerned a little bit if he doesn't like if he goes back to like not playing 30 minutes per game if he's like struggling to shoot the ball if he's doing that because I, I, I've said this multiple times and I'll say it again Chris is the canary in the coal mine for this Bucks offense if he's not playing well the Bucks offense isn't humming and now you're starting to see him play well the Bucks offense is absolutely out of this world yeah so I think th- I think that was a pretty good take from me but so if if we start to see Chris struggle again, maybe that's indicative of other problems. Maybe Trevor Gleason's not doing a great job. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Uh, uh, Chris balled <laughs> out for Trevor Gleason. Chris owns an NBL team, doesn't he? Chris he does He
1: this. owns part of
2: the part of the breakers, right?
1: I think so. So not not Perth, but we're we're a Gleason coach, but he's got to love this infusion of of Australian basketball.
2: yeah, he's he's he got responded do it. to it. Yeah. do you think he's still friends with Delhi?
1: Probably, like, sort of. Probably not close friends.
2: He owns the Bullets, part of oh. the Bullets, the Brisbane Bullets. Excuse me, not the Breakers. There we go. Um, maybe him and Joe Ingles talked about him. Maybe Joe Ingles is the reason Trevor Gleason. Did. I'm kidding. Yeah. Um,
1: I, I just pulled up the Gnosis' career totals. Do you want to play a little game? Oh, God. <laughs> this is very random. I know, but he had two nice assists in this game. And I've okay. been, I've, I've been, I was thinking about this earlier today. How many career assists total do you think Thanasis has? He has played 177 NBA games. More than I thought. <laughs> um, he played 70 games in 21-22. No, I, I lied. I lied. That's field goals. He played 57. <laughs> he played 57 the year before, which is a ton. Okay, a
2: championship year. Uh, yeah, that's what I'm saying. You play more Thanasis, you win titles. That's all I'm saying. There's some evidence there. I guess. Um, I should do a regression analysis on that. Uh, that, That'd be be fun. That's very on brand for me. But how many total assists does Thanasis Adetokounmpo have in his career? 75.
1: Wow, you're low on your guy. 105 after last night.
2: 105? Okay. Okay. The way you phrased the question, I thought it was going to be lower. How many total points do you think? Oh, it's like... 400 or something. Oh, pretty
1: good. 457 for T.A.
2: 457. Because I saw he has like 170 something or 188 career field goals made or something.
1: Uh, That's 188 is correct.
2: Yeah. I he's, know my guy.
1: He's shooting 50.5% from the field. We won't talk about three. What is it from three?
2: 14.5%. Oh, it takes after his brother.
1: In the last – this season and last season, how many combined threes do you think T.A. has made?
2: This season and his his big game against the Knicks was two years ago. So I can't get to that. Um, did he make two
1: threes cool. in that game? I think he did. Then that's the only time he's made threes since 2021. Oh, he's made zero. Yeah. <gasps> oh, no. Two, two for 14 <laughs> and 21-22. 0 for 8 last year. This year, he simply stopped trying.
2: You know what? I respect it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> um seven for 29 in 2021 we were probably sitting here like i think he's developing the three-point shot i think he's going to be ready but no he's year. been
2: in he's been in the lab with Oppie.
1: i i the way these young guys are shooting i am not going to slander oppenheimer i think the interacumpos just need like like more intervention than him i don't think <laughs> it's he can funny do enough.
2: it's funny that oppenheimer couldn't even do it no. it's just funny i have yet to see that movie I'd i will same you haven't seen it. No,
1: I, I don't see that many movies. I think you get more flack for it.
2: Yeah, I was gonna say. Then why am I the one who I, just gets flak for it? I've,
1: I've I've seen more older movies. I don't watch many current movies. That's why.
2: I, I think I I think I
1: watch more current movies than you. Probably. Have you seen Barbie? Yeah. I have not seen Barbie. You haven't seen Barbie? I really enjoyed it. I I saw a TikTok that said maybe I'm a sexist because I haven't
2: seen it. And it's not personal.
1: I didn't choose anything over it. I just didn't go.
2: (laughs) You always always want to be canceled,
1: don't you? I I just (laughs) – I do feel like it's par for the course. What's par for the course? What? what no define what you say what it's part i'm the just i'm a white guy who records a lot of podcasts and i just feel like <laughs> it's like statistically say- going to happen at some point
2: oh getting canceled i thought you were saying sexism no i was no, like, no, what no, are you canceled, talking about? i always i always make that's it worse what, on that's why i
1: wanted you to clarify no, no, yeah i meant getting canceled First, okay cool it's probably – I probably
2: have been for basketball takes more than anything else at this point. Oh, remember when Raptors fans were like circulating or clips? We're not allowed in Canada, I don't think. Yeah. Well, I mean we
1: got their coach now, so maybe – That's fair. We got two of them. We got yeah. the man and we got Griffin. OK. Let's move on. Uh, <laughs> but let, we won't talk about the Bucks' defense, but first let's have some fun. Although maybe it's not that fun because we, we don't have any wins to talk about on our Sleeper Daily Fantasy segment If you've been watching the pod for the last several months, you know we have been playing Sleeper and having a great time. If you're already using the Sleeper app to play fantasy sports, hit that money sign in the middle. Sign up for Daily Fantasy. Use code Eurostep to get up to a $100 match on your first deposit on us. Enjoy that. I know a lot of people, uh, our followers and people in our Discord have been playing and having some fun as well. So I would love for you to join us on Sleeper. It is legal in many, many states, Wisconsin is one of them, crucially, uh, daily fantasy sports. So I believe, Rohan, this is from – is this Christmas?
2: This is from Christmas Day. I know I've talked about this a lot when we we're doing these segments, but I love I love the first quarter picks. Yeah, you do. It's, it's, it, I, I enjoy it a lot because it's – it, if you make like full game ones, it's like, oh, I'm going to be watching the game really closely trying to see if this specific thing happens but then, if it's a first quarter one, I get to I get to get it out of the way. And usually, they have uh, they have like more drastic multipliers. Yeah, on the, uh, I, I might on the first join you in
1: doing this. I feel like you have more fun lately than me on on picks. Well, we'll get to my slate, but
2: uh, but this one unfortunately was an L for me on this uh, on this ticket. I had Damian Lillard projection for first quarter assists was two and a half. Uh, I said he was going to get more than that. He did. He got three. The reason I picked that Damian Lillard plays all twelve minutes of the that's first a, quarter. That's, that's his cheap rotation. One. That's a cheat. And one. Yeah. he usually gets lower projections for assist numbers. And he's been he's been dishing in the first quarter. Um, so he got that. He got that more than two and a half assists in that first quarter. That's a win. Julius Randle, uh, his projection was one and a half first quarter assists. That's pretty uh, high. Yeah, which is why I immediately did not think he was going to get that. And guess what? He didn't. He had zero assists because Julius Randle against the Bucks turns into an offensive black hole yeah. and doesn't pass the ball. Unfortunately, uh, that, that didn't end up uh, working in Milwaukee's favor, him being an offensive black hole as he put up 24 points. Yeah, uh, He did have two assists in the game, but zero in the first quarter. That's not how he operates. So that one was another successful pick for me. And my guy. My guy Malik Beasley. I I've said it before. His projection is usually two and a half points. I in love the first that. Quarter. I love
1: that first quarter sprinkle of him and Dame. It's so tempting to just do it every game.
2: It's it usually it's usually uh, it's usually a winner. Yeah. It's usually a winner. He just has to hit one of his threes. He missed his uh he missed his only three-point attempt in the game, which I don't believe actually occurred in the first quarter. I don't even think he shot. Yeah, it was a
1: it was a bad game for Bees, who thankfully bounced back against the Nets with quite a nice game.
2: But that one did not uh, that one did not come to fruition. He had zero points. Yeah. Um, so unfortunately, it was not a it was not a winning ticket for me.
1: I also lost based on one. I really so this is for the Nets game on Wednesday. I figured Giannis being questionable or probable like a couple times in a row. Maybe he would play less of a role, which was kind of correct. Although he, I think he did end up having like 27 or 31 points. So not really. Figured Dame would maybe do a little more. He ended up only having 12 points. Kind of took a backseat with the way Chris was playing. So I went with less than his projection of I think 24 and a half. And he wasn't even close. Cam Thomas rebounds. It, the, uh, the projection was set at three and a half. He averages 2.9 per game. And all he really wants to do is shoot. And the fact that he only played 11 minutes really made it an easy one. So I am pretty salty I didn't get a win on this overall play given – basically had a free uh, a free pick there. Chris Middleton's points, rebounds and assists. I think he had that in like the first quarter. It was like one away. I mean it was 24. Was it 25 and a half. He ends up with mm. 40 PRA. And then Bobby Portis, 12, uh, 12 and a half point projection. Just figured probably over. He'd probably do a bit, especially against a smaller, more athletic team. He ended up with 14. So, unfortunately. He wasn't doing it on the
2: defensive end, so he had to do it on the offensive That
1: end. is correct. He did have a very good game offensively, though. I will say that. There are some people who thought he should have had an upstock for that game, Rohan. But, I
2: thought he should have had a downstock. <laughs> yeah, well,
1: we can talk about it. Um, but a couple of losing plays for us on Sleeper. But, see, we're still laughing. We're still having a good time. So, download Sleeper. Use our code Eurostep. Get that match and Join us in playing G-Y-R-O-S-T-E-P,
2: G-Y-R-O-S-T-E-P there is the code, is. all
1: one word. All one word.
0: We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast.
1: Let's talk about just defense in general. I think that's the other the other half of the episode title here. You know, you
2: know what the Bucks should do, Ty. What's you that? know what the Bucks should do, Ty. They What's... should deter shots at the rim. They should actually try and do that. You know, that might be that might be a good uh, solution to some of their problems because, like you mentioned up top, they've been doing a pretty good job of playing perimeter defense, closing out on shooters, getting to guys. That's what happens when you play a lot of fast players, so you can run guys off the three point line. But that you you can do that only based on the ability to contain uh, the the offensive players attacking closeouts, which the Bucs have not been able to do. They have not been able to do that. Rook Lopez got a double down stock against the Nets because he could not, he absolutely could not do it. He could not deter shots at the rim. Bobby Portis was worse, somehow. He was like a given. It was a young, athletic, I almost said Knicks, Nets team, and it was just a lot of guys blowing past Bobby uh and it was a, a poor matchup for him, a poor matchup for Brooke, who again is not gonna be dealing with these quick shifty players that well. But I feel like that's exposed a hole in the Bucks roster construction is the the lack of a true quick footed defensive big man. And I know outside that's a lot that's outside. That's of yeah, uh, yes, outside of Giannis. Yes, obviously, because Giannis is an alien who can do everything. Yeah. Uh except shoot. Thanks, Josh. I'm kidding. Uh <laughs> Uh, what was I saying? Yeah, it's, I know that's a lot to ask for, especially considering the offensive juggernaut that this Milwaukee Bucks team has shown they can be and are. They just have been an offensive juggernaut for the past month. Uh, that's just who they are. That's what happens when you have Damian Lillard and Giannis Antetokounmpo and Chris Middleton at this point in their careers. They are going to be an offensive juggernaut of a team. And they've shown as much credit to everyone involved, credit to them, credit to the coaching staff, credit to everyone, John Horst, the entire organization. Thanks, thanks, Herb Cole. Like RIP, but like it's it's just they're they're an offensive juggernaut. Defensively, they have some problems. They do have some problems. And I think these last couple games uh against both the Knicks and the Nets have exposed that they just cannot deal with any sort of athleticism in the restricted area. They can't. They yeah. really can't. And I don't know what the solution to that problem is, because Brooke, uh, having to come up on guys in sort of a mid-range area, that's what killed them. That Jalen Brunson really killed them in that area. And that Christmas Day loss against the Knicks, uh, you would get past everyone, including guys like Andre Jackson Jr. If everyone was pining for Ajax minutes, I'm not here to be an anti-Ajax guy, but he was getting past everyone. He was getting yeah. past everyone on the Bucs team, uh, even their uh, best-touted perimeter defenders, he was getting past. And it was just uh, – he was, he was killing Brooke in that little uh, – in, in the drop scheme that everyone knows uh, is a little susceptible to that Brooke Lopez is not the best at containing mid-range jumpers. Jalen Brunson fed off that and it was a Christmas Day loss.
1: I Actually, I think Brooke chases blocks too much the way they play defense. has been one of my takeaways this week. It wasn't a good week for Brooke. Um, like there's a lot of the time like there was a play against the Nets where I think Chris was contesting – I, I don't I, – I would say I forget the player. I probably never knew the player who was taking the shot. I mean, it's, again, all G-leaguers I'm just not familiar with uh, even from covering the G-league. But he's kind of contesting a guy who's like shooting like kind of – was like a falling out of bounds runner basically. And Brook is like leaping over Chris to try and block this shot and it goes out. And then whoever the Nets big was, again, really don't know, maybe uh, Clowney, uh, gets the rebound and just dunks it and it's like don't why like that's you're not going to be able to block that if you get it it might be a goaltend and the offensive rebounding has been in a lot of these games as big of an issue as the initial shot you know so i think that's been like Brooke for all that we you know we've talked about in other circumstances trusting players including Brooke himself when they're against a star big to just guard one-on-one I actually think Brooke needs to do that a little bit more in some of these cases where he will like chase to try and double contest a shot that's already going up, and then he's caught in between. So he's not really affecting that shot. And now if it does miss, the big is able to get the rebound. So I think maybe a little you more. Know, you know who did
2: that a lot and it really reminded me of? Who? Greg Monroe. Oh yeah. Yeah. Greg Monroe was such a guy that did that. And I think I think Brooke it's 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 really the reason I, we're we're having problems with this is we've seen him play well in this sort of scheme like we he's been the runner up for defensive player of the year the last 2 years yeah. it's it's because he's been playing a very similar role like we mentioned november 3rd right is when they switched yep. back to drop defense and he's been just uh, with brook uh, and he's been playing a very similar role that he has been uh, for ever since he's been a Milwaukee buck uh, but this season, I don't know what's happened. Like, is it because he's leading the league in blocks per game? Is is, yeah. is that, is he trying to just get, get up on the stats so he can like actually focus on playing defense? He's so, like, telling the season?
1: official too, like, Hey, I blocked it. It's like, okay, Brooke. I, I don't even think the official records that.
2: No, he's like, he motions to the scorer's table. Does he?
1: Sometimes it looks like he's going just toward the official and not even toward the score. Oh, I, I think he just out does of it. Bounds. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. Um, Maybe, but, it's probably because the perimeter is so leaky that I think it's probably thrown off his sense of how to, how to help and drop a little bit compared to what he's used to, but it, it has not been as effective as we would like to see, certainly not this past we've week. We've
2: seen so many, especially in the past week, we've seen so many just dump-off passes for dunks. Yeah. Uh, in the Christmas Day game against the Knicks, I swear it was like three out of like seven possessions in the third quarter. It was just drive, dump-off, dunk, drive, dump-off, dunk, because... They would drive, draw Brooks help, and then just no one would be able to contain the cutter from the weak side corner and just get a, just get an easy dunker layup. Like no one no one was able to defend that again, given not all of that is on Brooke. He's trying to help someone else has to rotate in to sort of contain that guy who's flashing in from either corner. That's not Brooke's fault. He can't just double jump. He, this isn't Mario. <laughs> he can't just do that. Even though he's he's done it before, but he can't do you can't rely on him doing that every single play. But we just haven't seen that crisp rotation. And again, not all of it's on Brook. But some of it is on Brook. We yeah. haven't seen him being able to do that. And don't even get me started on Bobby, man. That dude, <laughs> he's bothering me on defense. He's bothering me. Like, we've seen him be effective on defense. Like, on the defensive end of the floor at points this season and going back the last couple seasons as a buck we've seen him be in roles where he can be not just in a horrible defensive player but the, he's getting into some bad habits on the defensive end of the floor and again these weren't the most ideal matchups for Bobby or Brooke. they're quick athletic players in the paint and neither of them really stood a shot but either they have to start learning to you know adapt to this sort of these sort of players or the bucks need to make a roster move because yeah well, it's a little. It's it's a little. It's very concerned. We don't want to put too
1: much on him. I think getting Crowder back will be a big deal, assuming he's able to come back and be anything close to the player he was in the first couple of weeks of the season before he had the the core muscle issue. Uh, but yeah, I do think. I mean, you're watching Dennis Smith Jr. get to the basket a bunch and play hard defense, draw a charge on Giannis, and I think that first quarter uh, of action, and it was like, man, how much can we? Can we leave a second-round pick and bring him with us? He's making vet minimum this year. Like someone like that, just a smaller, more athletic player for guards. And I think the obvious counter is like, well, we want Marjan and Ajax to be that. I mean, Marjan got befuddled on defense multiple times in this game too. And we're not talking about against a star player. We're talking about like Dennis Smith Jr. is postering Brook after beating Marjan like he wasn't there. Or Ajax or whoever else was guarding him. So – I think it's, you know, the bigs have to be better. I don't think there's going to be, you know, a roster move to bolster the big rotation. I think it's probably their strongest position group overall. I think they just need to get more out of their perimeter defenders. They need guys to fight harder. They need Crowder to get healthy, and they probably could use a roster move on top of that. I do think, like, you know, for all the the Griffin stuff early, it does seem to have quieted down. I mean, you watch these games, like, he's throwing in a zone just because, like, nothing else is working. Like, literally. Like he, doesn't he's matter doing the best put for, out there. he
2: can for the personnel.
1: Yeah, I mean they're they're just getting beat, and there's not a defense that solves magically when pretty much all your perimeter defenders, if not all of them, just get beat one on one. Like not even screen. We're not even talking screen navigation. Dennis Smith Jr. and Trendon Watford are sizing guys up on the perimeter and just scoring in the paint. Like that's that's there's no scheme for that. Like that's just your level of compete and your level of defensive acumen.
2: So. God I hope that happens for the Pistons versus the Celtics.
1: Uh it's 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 there history. I do think and I said we wouldn't talk much about trades. I've got a I've got a trade like oh. assets thing. I need to put up No no no, a trade asset piece oh, okay. on the on the Substack I want to post, but um I I I love Pat. It's cut off in my frame, but there's a 24 that's unrelated to him on the yeah. wall back there.
2: You just said those sentences. They didn't have anything to do with each nope. other.
1: no just a stream of consciousness. Uh, he's in danger. I mean, if it's going to be he's a player that danger. makes more than men, like there's there's literally no one else who I think is close to as at risk of a trade outside of, again, vet men guys. And not all of the vet men guys. Like I think Malik Beasley is much safer and campaign is safer than where Pat is at. Just because you look at when Crowder comes back, There's, you know, your top wing player off the bench, assuming Bees and and Chris continue starting together, at least for the time being. And you've also got the young guys who have flashed a lot of potential and give you more defense than Pat has given you. Maybe they're not always in the right position like he is. His perimeter defense has been pretty problematic this year. The shot for the second straight regular season is just not going in at a nearly high enough clip. The last week of games, 38% from the field, 33% from deep. Does have 5.3 uh, rebounds per game. He's a good rebounder. Again, he's in the right positions.
2: He's offensive rebounding as well. Yeah. But, I mean,
1: he's just got to – I mean, I don't know if there's the pressure is on him kind of knowing it's a crowded rotation and really the Bucks are out of other guys some to might, trade. Some
2: might say it's a Crowder rotation. He, got him. Sure. Okay. Like um, Jay Crowder.
1: Yeah, I get it. Um, yeah. yeah. Uh, you, can't, okay. you can't win them all. Nope. You can't. Um but yeah, I, I do think it's a tough position for, for Pat right now. And going into the, I think, February 8th deadline, which is now only six weeks or so away, uh, he is the guy who is certainly at the most – I know I said this like four times in this in this thing. You can talk now.
2: He, I, I agree. He's, he's the guy most in danger because even though I've just talked a lot about Bobby Portis, he still provides a lot uh, in terms of the offensive end of the court. Just quickly. He...
1: Th- these three games – from the field, 45% from deep, 100 from free throw, averaging 16 points and 8.7 rebounds per game for Bobby. So his offense has been cranked up for most of the time, even though the defense may have been lacking.
2: Yes. Sometimes is he trying to do a little too much on the offensive end? Maybe. Maybe. Is he going against a double team when Dame's wide open in the opposite quarter? Maybe. Sometimes. If we were to talk
1: about Biggs not passing, Bobby's not the one I have issue with. Exactly. No, Exactly. If you're allowed to pass on the perimeter, and I've said before, it's good that he he doesn't gum up the offense by not shooting open shots. You don't have to shoot every single time. I mean, Malik Beasley is just wide open. One skip pass away. Nope, I'm just going to crank One of the best
2: shooters in the league this season, Malik Beasley.
1: 55% the last three games from three. Just outstanding. Outstanding offensive
2: player. But, yeah, it's... The big men, the big men have uh, been disappointing to me. Not Giannis, obviously. Yeah. But the big men have been disappointing to me in these in this road trip. I think that's. I've been okay with Bobby. That's I, fair. I, I, I can't think,
1: take I can't take special issue with him getting beat when everyone's getting beat. That's fair. That doesn't absolve him of any blame, though. No, but it's just like he's one of I, yes, seven, eight guys. I, so I'm not gonna for if, sure. At least, at least he's giving them a lot on the offensive. End.
2: Yes, yes, for sure. But Pat, Pat Connaughton, Patrick Connaughton, the landlord himself. Yeah. You, you got to start, you got to start doing some stuff, man. Otherwise, uh, they're going to turn on you real quick. It's going to be real tough for Three Leaf to continue doing Milwaukee stuff if you don't play for the Bucks. Well, I mean, so, they're not going to kick him out of the city, no. I don't think. But, um, I know, but I'm just, I'm trying to, I'm trying to motivate him. <laughs> I just want,
1: where, where are you at right now? If Portland called and said, give us our second back and Pat and we give you Tybal, would you do it? No. Really?
2: No, I'm so out on Tybal. You're just anti tybal I'm out. And that pick is valuable. That is. It's a valuable pick. That's going to be third. It's going to be at least not 35. Like it could be within 35.
1: Yeah, I mean, I'm moved by that less. Just, I mean, what did the Bucks give up for 36 last year? Like one future second,
2: I guess. And did cash. They, who I think? Did, Who did they trade that? With? Orlando. It was Orlando, who had a bunch of second round picks. I think. But, yeah, but that's. I think there's going
1: to be a lot of teams who have a bunch going. That's I mean, fair. O- that's, OKC that's fair has point. 40 picks in every draft.
2: That's fair. That's a fair point.
1: But I'm not saying I agree. It's going to be a good second round pick. But like, if they really love someone there, they can probably go get another one. And we're at a point now where. If they don't trade any of them, like Marjan, Ajax, Chris Livingston are gonna be on the roster next year. You're not you're not gonna add three more rookie scale guys every year. You'd end up with two. Our, more. our guy
2: Hugo Basson?
1: Yeah, we looked up his stats before the pod. Let's I don't think he's gonna be on a roster spot next
2: year. <laughs> I know. We forgot about him. So I yeah. uh, just wanted to remind the listeners that he does exist. Uh, probably the, will not Adri- exist on the Bucks anytime soon. Adriatically. League. Yeah. plays with, I mean, no, he's he's doing the long game. He's recruiting Jokic. He's a little late.
1: Yeah, I guess. Jokic's been gone there from there for about ten years. No,
2: so. no, no, no. So he's he's getting he's he's getting uh, like uh, acclimated to the Serbian culture. So when Jokic goes back as soon as the season ends, he will have his plane ready to go back. Um, yeah, he'll be like, yeah, yeah, I know what. You're, I'll I'll stay in Serbia a little bit longer. Sleeper just, I just just watch that. Watch that going forward. Watch that. Watch <laughs> that. It's something to look out for.
1: Um hot tip. All I'm Rohan. saying is
2: if it happens I'm taking credit for it.
1: yeah sure. I I can sleep at night knowing if the Bucks get Nikola Jokic it's a big W for you. It's also a big W for all of us but mostly Rohan.
2: And a big W for Hugo Basson.
1: They got to hang John Horace collared shirt up in the rafters if they get if they get uh Nikola Jokic after getting Dame.
2: <laughs> that, <should> be- <laughs> that would be uh that would be I mean be come a- on dude.
1: <laughs> And then, yeah. and then, still, that offseason, the ringer would be like, "Bucks have the 14th best front office in
2: the league." We yeah. still
1: remember that they had to give Pat a player option because they messed up his first deal or whatever the case may be.
2: Yeah, they didn't give him enough uh it, the money. They, 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 they gave tried him to give him too many years or something. Yeah. yeah. we we know Pat as a player. He's been a Buck for what? This is year six? Yeah, five or six. I think this is year six because we had five years of button. Yeah. Yeah, so this is year six Yep. Uh, of Pat Connison being a Milwaukee Buck. And he's been the most consistent at being a guy who it can be inconsistent. Uh, I know that's sort of like a sports cliche, but I think it fits with Pat Connison. He will go through these spells where he's just – not being very well not playing very well you even mentioned for the second straight regular season he's yeah. not shooting the ball well but then it comes playoff time against miami and it's like oh yeah this is pat Conson. he he, he fits in the rotation he fits well with this team Um, uh, i just don't know if the bucks are in a similar spot as they were last year where they can just rely on pat yeah we just need him to become that guy again because they have so many other options you have the development of marjon bochamp you have the addition of andre jackson jr boss man 99 should actually have a role on this team this year it's uh, whoever whoever John Horst inevitably gets at the trade deadline, whatever athletic forward they get uh, at the trade deadline. They're eyeing um, up P.J. Tucker. Yeah, apparently according why. to Mark Stein. I don't uh, know why. Unless unless P.J. is uh, willing to give up that player option, uh, he's not going to be a buck. Yeah, no, I would not trade
1: Pat for P.J. straight up right now. He's like 38 years old. I mean, that's yeah. that we're yeah. talking about they really need a player – to guard guards, they don't need thirty-eight-year-old PJ Tucker to do that. But that—that—that that, that I think is the real reason that I am thinking it's possible and considering potential Pat Condon trades is it, it's less even about like oh they have all these other options at the wing. It's also they just have different needs at the wing now, and I think they can't afford. I they can afford. It's it's so much more appetizing to switch out Pat when there's other options on the wing who can provide what he provides at least offensively. Maybe there's not as many good rebounders, but you have you can make up for that. And you just desperately need the defense. Like desperately need the perimeter defense. So, um it's going to be interesting. I like I don't think Caruso would happen, but that to me is still like give all the picks and maybe even one of the young guys because I just think Caruso coming off the bench as well as Crowder fixes so many of your issues on defense, like almost just having those two guys almost by itself fixes the defense, I think to a large extent. They're still 14th since they started dropping, so they have not been a horrible defense. They've been average, but they I think they do need help. I, I don't think 14th is good enough. I think you want to be around top 10 when you're going into the playoffs, and they have not been at that level. I think the reason is just very obvious. Their perimeter defenders have not been good enough.
2: For sure, for sure. We do think, I I think we're in lockstep when we say we think some sort of move is going to happen. Yeah. Regarding a potential perimeter defender. Chris Dunn, Dennis
1: Smith Jr., guys who are making like minimum, how you could go give up one of your minimums and Dennis some picks Smith for Dennis Smith
2: Jr. would be fun.
1: I mean, if Dinwiddie and all their guards are healthy, if Ben Simmons ever plays again, I mean, maybe they would be willing to give him up for that Portland second. I don't know.
2: It'd be interesting. We just saw them ball out against the Bucs. I mean, they just
1: punted a game in the middle of the season, so it doesn't feel like they're trying to be that competitive this year. I, I don't know. Yeah.
2: Even though they don't own their pick? Yeah. Weird. Weird. weird, weird. I don't know what's
1: going on. They have a Paris game, so their fans were like, oh, we have to get ready. Their fan was like, oh, we have to get ready for the Paris game. It's like, oh, "What's it's? It's not like they're going to make you fly. It's like, you're not doing a back-to-back-to-back. It's 23-year-old Cam Thomas.
2: Yeah, for know. sure. Um, it's uh, – I love, I love uh, Vinicius Jr. just going around the league. Yeah, uh, what, He did he, he hit the funniest route possible. He Oklahoma like City? OKC, Sacramento, and then L.A., and then Brooklyn. Someone had to tell like, you me know, who he was. You know he's a true NBA junkie yes. if you're doing that. Like yes. I love that. I love that. I honestly if, love if it. If
1: OKC is on the menu at all, you already earned a lot of respect. Exactly. Like exactly. that that alone tells me okay, you know ball. If you're going, I got to go see the
2: Thunder play at home. That's real. I got to I got to go see Chet. And Vini Chet, Jr. Obviously. Yeah. But yeah, that's fun. It's a fun subplot. It is. The the Bucks tweeting out after the game cuz Giannis immediately was like, "You get my shoes, you get my jersey. Yeah. F them kids. You yeah. you get them." Cuz <laughs> he usually gives them to kids. Yeah. Not not today. No, no. It was a global superstar in the So of
1: it. I, I didn't recognize who it was, and I thought someone said it was Vin Jr., like Vin Baker's son.
2: Oh, I thought you were going to say Vin Diesel.
1: No, and I was like, <laughs> wow, I didn't think it would be such a big deal for the broadcast that Vin Baker's son for for like the whole team. Like you think they'd be around him a lot So his son I think had – I don't think his – or maybe I'm thinking of Darvin Ham. I don't, no, I'm thinking of Darvin Ham's son. But I was just like, I didn't think it would be that big of a deal for Vin Baker's son to be around. And then someone explained to me that this is not that. And I was like, oh, that's cool.
2: Yeah. Uh, fun times there. But yeah. uh, what else? What else do we have to talk about?
1: Um, Just the young guys in general. I think Marjan yeah, had think a pretty we, good we, week.
2: We we saw a good offensive output from Marjan. He, like you mentioned earlier, he got a little little lost on, on the defensive end at times. Um. But he's still trying his best. Uh he's showing that bounce off. He I, I love how we haven't talked about Marjon in a little bit, but he he he's showing off his athleticism in game now, which is nice. Uh he's had a few nice po- like poster dunks. And uh he 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 reads the comments. He reads the comments because he's out there trying to see I can jump off one foot two or something like that. And it's like, yeah, good, good for you, man. I'm I'm happy. Like that sounded sarcastic, but I'm. it's not like you you do you, man. Like it, it's good to see him sort of um Get get back in the rotation, sort of solidify that rotation spot. It'll be interesting to see what happens when Jay Crowder, Bossman nine nine himself, comes back. But it's it must be a tough sort of situation for Marjan, where you're the second year guy, but then you see this rookie come in, an Andre Jackson Jr., and get a lot of starts, get a lot of playing time. Uh, so it's just been uh, it's been good to see Marjon sort of persevere, even not hitting that sort of second year wall, that sophomore slump.
1: Yeah, it's been fun to watch him continue to shoot the ball well. I think he was two for three from deep against Brooklyn. He's up to 45.5% this year, 50% from the field. Uh, again, we've said before Andre Jackson shooting the ball well at two, but Marjan has been getting more minutes lately and has been doing a, a good bit with them. I'd like to see more defensively just staying in front of guys and, and making them hit shots versus getting blown by. I think that's going to be a key for him, but we've seen him play good defense on guards. So I think. He does have a, a, a lot to potentially gain this season if he can just be a little more consistent on defense, continue, just dunk and hit threes offensively. That's a pretty good game plan. Uh, his shot looks good, though. I think it's been a good year overall for Marjan. He's been inconsistent, but that's just kind of a, a young player thing. Still has gotten 15 minutes per game, so it's not like he's barely playing. That's you know significantly more than, than Ajax, who's at 10 minutes per game. Some of that hurts because um, I think Ajax played like two minutes against Brooklyn. He had like two fouls and missed a shot or two, and Griffin was just like, that's enough of that. Um, I think he was just trying things early in that game. A.J. Green got some run too. Uh, Did not play a whole lot better, but did end up knocking down a three before he checked out. But it is, I mean, having three young wings shooting 42-plus percent from three has been kind of fun, even if they've all been inconsistent in their own ways. Uh, It's been, I guess, actually technically four. Chris Livingston has not missed a three this year. So uh, one of 0.1 per game for Livingston in his seven games and 24 or so total minutes.
2: Yeah. It's, it's good to see the young guys. Like, I think we've mentioned this before, just having a young core in general is fun. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's, it's nice to see. I think, I think one thing that's impressed me the most about Ajax is just his ability to be resilient. Yeah. Uh, cause he's a rookie and he's coming in getting very, very inconsistent playing time. Like, uh, Adrian Griffin's really showing him the NBA Yeah, and, uh, He's handling it really well. Like credit to him, he's handling it really well. Uh, he didn't have the, he hasn't had the best week uh, yeah. that we've seen. Uh, definitely has not been the best week, um, but continue to persevere. Second round rookie, so you know can't expect the world.
1: I think what we're starting to see is Marjan is more leaned on to guard guards, and I think Griffin likes Ajax on forwards more. Like if if they play the Bulls and Demar is cooking. It'll be Ajax, but like Marjan got the reps. This was the first game of the year, so still there was a lot in the air, but Marjan got uh, the reps on Maxi. And like tonight, the Nets had so many guards. Marjan had more of a run. So it'll be interesting to kind of track that and see, does one player become more versatile or is it kind of become the where, all right, we need someone to guard guards, Marjan. Okay, there's a forward cooking us Ajax, or if they can just be interchangeable. That's just a a pattern I've noticed so far, and it's been – if, if that is how it is, it's going to be better for Marjan for the rest of this year, given again, they guard forwards better than they guard guards.
2: For sure. For sure. That's something to something to watch going forward, just like Jokic you know, to the Bucs.
1: And I, I want to address quickly, too, and this might be our last thing. Uh, every game, it feels like somebody there's somebody where it's like, this guy's just randomly out of the rotation now. What's going on? It's like, there's not many spots in the rotation right now. Uh, they don't play. Uh, Griffin probably usually plays, what, probably about nine, we'll say. so. Yeah. Obviously, Giannis Dame Chris, and then you are going to see Brook. You are going to see Bees when he's healthy. Is five that's starting five. Bobby's going to play. That's six. Campaign's going to play whether people like it or not. That's seven, and he showed why he should play at least at least exploratory play uh, against Brooklyn. And then, but now that Pat's back, he's been pretty firmly in there. And then Marjan is what that's nine, I think. Yeah, and that's before you get Jay Crowder back. And then it's really – it's going to be like probably one young guy most nights when they're fully healthy. I think that's fine. They're young guys. They're inconsistent. Like I know there was a good stat dive I think Frank Madden shared on Twitter of like as exciting as Ajax has been. You look at different segments of the season, net rating wise, they still mostly gotten crushed when he plays. Like it's not all on him but it's not like they've just been amazing in his minutes for any sustained period. He's still a young guy, and it's okay if he doesn't play every night. It's not—he's the 36th overall pick. It's not like you know he's going to demand a trade or something because in year one he's not playing 20 minutes a night on a great team. So I think that's just—that's just normal. It's just going to be a thing going forward, and it's kind of reminiscent to early Bud, except they're quote unquote young guys, where Pat Connaughton and Dante DiVincenzo at that point, which may be less young, but it's—it's it's the same idea, and I don't think there's anything wrong with that.
2: No, it's—it's. It's- Quite normal for contending teams, which is what the Bucks are. They're a contending team. Just the Bucks, like you mentioned, haven't had to, haven't had the privilege of dealing with. You got multiple promising young guys. The <laughs> like, herd. what herd. Yeah. What a, like what a crazy concept for the Bucks.
1: Yeah, it's been fun, but yeah, it is. It's going to be frustrating sometimes, and they not. We're not going to get to see them all all the time. But maybe you'll see them in Oshkosh. I don't think we've seen Andre go at all this season. Chris Livingston's no. played there. Uh, I think six to eight games so far, it's been okay. The shot hasn't fallen yet, which I think is really what is going to be really important for him. But I saw he's averaging like twelve and eight in twenty minutes, so continuing to rebound and and put up some points, which is good to see.
2: Yeah, for sure, we're getting some action from the two ways as well. Ty Ty's been balling, I think. Yeah. So uh,
1: Lindell's actually good. had a very good year. Yeah, current all-time leading scorer. Kinda, I think. I think there's a little bit of like, hey, let's not forget I exist from Lindell. With, uh, you know, all of the excitement, especially from us, um, about Ty-Ty. I want to pull it up quick just because I know when I checked earlier, his numbers kind of wowed me because he's really got the three-point shot down right at the moment. So this will be our last thing, a little bit of Wisconsin Herd check-in. They are home a ton in January if you've ever wanted okay. to catch a Herd game. Uh, Which they, I will. they There we go. They play at home a lot. But – this season, Lindell Wigginton is scoring 19.8 points a game, plus 4.9 rebounds to just 2.8 turnovers. So a more than two to one ratio there. Shooting 49% from the field, 42% from three, 77% from free throw, plus 3.3 rebounds, 1.2 assists, and half a block. So we're talking nearly two stocks, a better than two to one, or no, that's not better than two to one, but a, a strong assist turnover ratio while shooting almost 50 42 and almost 80 from the field
2: very impressive very impressive from lindell who's just been just a professional just been a he's been a he's been a bucket getter he's been a distributor that's just a defender
1: too i mean it's yeah i I wouldn't i mean if if they do have any injuries to guards i would like to see lindell get a couple games at the nba level just to see just to have some more data on him, but he is playing quite well in the G League. I don't think people should forget about him. Ty Ty Washington has struggled a bit uh scoring the ball, 13 points, 36% from the field, 26.9% from three. So the shots are just not falling. He is rocking, though, the same 4.9 assists to just 1.8 turnovers. So he is doing a good job as the point guard, but the the shot making has not been there uh, as much for him. And then Marquise Bolden. Uh, 12 points per game along with 5.6 rebounds, 54% from the field, still shooting 50% from deep. So the big guy is knocking down the shots, uh, has 1.4 blocks per game as well, 1.3 assists, 1.7 turnovers. And then actually the fourth leading scorer down there is Chris Livingston in his five games. In just 24.6 minutes, he's scoring 12 points per game, shooting 55% from the field, 33% from deep, uh, just 50% on free throws, but it's a pretty small sample. Uh, that is. Oh, sorry. That's six point four rebounds, not eight. Uh, one point four assists to one point six turnovers. So the young fella getting some run in down there,
2: for sure, for sure. Love to see it. Love to see it. Uh, make yeah. Like you said, January. It's a nice month for the uh, Wisconsin herd schedule at home. Make sure you check a game And I will definitely be up there for a game in January.
1: Now the ticket sales uh, are going through the roof. Now that people heard Rohan's going,
2: won't say which games, so they have to buy <laughs> tickets for every game. Get season uh, tickets, folks exactly exactly uh but yeah no if you're in the area make sure you check out the herd go over high. i'm kidding please Heard don't up. do that uh but yeah herd up uh and we'll wrap this up say thank you for listening to this episode of the Eurostep here on blue wire and GSPN. make sure you're subscribed wherever you're listening to this podcast sophie is telling everyone to leave a five-star rating and review on their podcast platform of choice uh check out gspn.info for all of our links pod random and we will talk to you next time